Hi, it's Saffron. And Neil. And on Surrycast today, it's a wine special with Pip Wine Shop. And also we talk about an initiative that helps employers give back. Uh, we have the hot list, as always, our Instagram shout outs and our first competition to win £60 worth of original art prints. Welcome to episode eight of Surrycast. With RHW solicitors, you can find out more about them at rhw.co.uk. So welcome to Surrycast. We're back on tour again and we've got in the car and we've come down to Farnham and this absolutely gorgeous wine shop, which is called Pip. And we're not introducing Pip from Pip. This is Nick from Pip. Hello. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank- welcome to Pip. Welcome to Seal. So, Nick, tell us about how you started the shop. Where are you from originally and how you found your love for wine? Well, I'm originally from not far from here, uh, a little bit further south near Midhurst. But um, so I grew up in the R&B area, lived around the world, grew up for a bit of my childhood in France. I've lived in Australia, I've lived in South Africa. And then for a while I was living and working in, in Richmond. Um, so still sort of technically Surrey, but uh, more London version of Surrey. And then we moved down to Farnham five years ago. And then Pip, as a wine shop, I set up nearly two years ago. Okay, so your name isn't Pip. My name is not Pip. And uh, it's not Philip. Uh, so I want to know the, the reasons why Pip. So we wanted a name that wasn't mine or, or my business partner, David. So we were thinking around all manner of different wine shop names, brainstorming for hours upon hours. And there are lots of different, sometimes quite hackneyed uh, iterations of grape this and so on and so forth. Winemaking terms. And we want something that was re- winemaking related, but hadn't been done before really, um, but also had... a a name recognition and Pip is both a man's name and a female's name. Tell me about this place. Tell me about the location because Manor Farm doesn't seem to exist anymore. It's got a really interesting history. So it's part of the Hampton estate and it was originally a working farm, Manor Farm, long since ceased to be a farm centred at least on this courtyard we got here. But it was many, many years ago now, I think back in the 1970s, converted into commercial buildings and a craft centre. So its full name is Manor Farm Craft Centre. It no longer really is a craft centre, although I'd say, you know, we sell craft wines, craft beers, craft spirits. We've got a craft shop next door. It was somewhere where you would have people doing things like woodwork and glass blowing and so forth. But it's now wine shop, um, there's some health businesses, there's a craft shop, and then there's a great tea room. So a real collection of small businesses on a, an old farm in these old cow sheds. And there's lots of farmland around us. It's just a very idyllic, beautiful, nice place to spend some time. I see you have a, a wine tasting table. Yes. So that's where the action happens, just over there in the middle. Um, can people just come down any old time when do they book can they pop in no anyone can pop in um we are open tuesday to saturday 11 till 5 p.m or our normal hours sometimes we're open at later times as well for events and private events but we will always have wines open whether that's just literally open on the day or we use a coravin to open up well not open but access expensive bottles for people to try so whenever we're open you just pop in and you can try some wine or you can come and have a glass of wine so anything on the shelves you can pick off and drink in or out in the terrace when the sun's shining for no corkage charge um, so it's shop shelf prices for everything to drink in and then we've got a little wine by glass menu your background is in journalism and many other different things what was that that spark that said right okay I'm gonna get into this business with my friend David and we're gonna sell independent wines for the rest of time yeah it was quite a convoluted route people do tend to come into wine through 
maybe another career. There are wine trade lifers, but there are also a lot of people who've done lots of things beforehand. And I'm the latter. I was a management consultant. I worked in government. I worked in journalism. If you go back far enough, I was a scuba diving instructor in Australia. So I've done all sorts of different things. And I never had this kind of road to Damascus moment that people, a lot of people going into the wine trade have had. It was more of a long process of osmosis. I grew up in France. I had two parents who loved drinking lots of nice wines and got to visit lots of wine regions. So it's just something I arrived at maybe age, what was I, about 25, 26, and realized that I actually had quite a lot of inbuilt knowledge and an understanding and it seemed like a really interesting field to work in because wine it's a lovely thing to drink but it's also it's a it's a window on a region and its people its culture its language so for a bit of an intellectual magpie that that i am wine allows me to explore all sorts of different things like that so what is it when you come in here you expect to see or you give across to the customer that they don't get anywhere else well you get the knowledge you get the knowledge, but also what sits behind PIP is we're a wine importer. So um, the sister business to PIP is a, a wine importer and supplier to the restaurant business, to other wine shops in every region of the UK. Um, that's something we've been doing for the better part of a decade. Uh, we were recently rated the, the third best supplier to restaurants in the country. So that might suggest we're big. We're not. We're a very small team, fewer than 10 of us, um, but we are very good at what we do and we have a direct relationship with 80, maybe slightly more than that now, but around 80 producers all across the world. So what sits behind the wine shop is that level of knowledge, that experience, that understanding of the wines, which you wouldn't ordinarily get in an everyday off license or the supermarket or going down to other wine shops. But above all, the wines are delicious, they have a sense of place, and they have a freshness and a purity to them. And that's really what sets our wines apart. What is your favourite part of your job? That's probably a really hard question, but what really gets you going? Is it introducing people to new things? In terms of this particular place we're sitting right now, the wine shop, yes. It's having people come in and say, I don't know what I'm looking for. I may be cooking a certain dish tonight. What shall I have? And so I'll pick a bottle off the shelf, they'll act surprised, oh, I've never come across that before. And then they'll come in the next week and they say that was absolutely spot on. In fact, we had someone last week who was doing something really quite difficult. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a Thai dish. And pairing European wines, or just pairing wine full stop, which is at the end of the day, it's a European drink, with spicy, highly flavoured oriental dishes is really challenging. So we picked up something off the shelf, which is a quite unusual South African red, very light red, and they'd never come across it before, but just loved it. And I got an email the next day saying this worked, and that was great. So talking about um, places outside of Europe, you have a particular affiliation with South Africa. Um, When I was talking to you uh, off the podcast, you said that's your one big bit of knowledge because that's your passion. I mean, you've been everywhere. Um, Does South Africa stand out? head and shoulders above the rest is making the best wines in the world? It's all in the, I say, eye of the beholder or the, the, the tongue of the taste. I don't know. But South Africa makes some of the best value wines in the world. And I hesitate to say that because that suggests that it just makes really good cheap wines, which it sometimes gets pigeonholed for. But if you trade up in South Africa to more the mid-teens and into the 20s, then it has wines that will stack up against anywhere in the world. But for me, what it really has is incredible diversity in a very small space. Um, Africa is somewhere that just generally I've been fascinated about 
since I was a very young boy. Um, I was taught by a couple of Kenyans when I was a primary school and even was, I was taught Swahili when I was eight years old. And that instilled in me this absolute fascination for Africa. So it's somewhere I've traveled back to year in, year out ever since. And it became a natural place to specialize in when I moved into wine. So I would usually spend two, three, four weeks a year out there. I haven't been able to in the last few years because of the pandemic, but hopefully going back later this year. But it's not just South African wine that you're doing here. I can look around your shop. Could you could you tell me where the kind of flow is over there? I can see Australia yeah. and New Zealand. Yeah, we cover pretty much all manners of wine regions, countries, styles. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of South African wines. We are very strong in Australian wines as well, but our best-selling wines are from France. Um, we've got Italy, we've got Germany, we've got Austria, and then we've got some unusual origins as well, like Canada, Turkey, Slovenia. So I'm not saying we've got absolutely everything because we're not a box-ticking wine merchant. You know, we don't have a vast Bordeaux range. We don't have a vast range of Sancerre, for instance, or Chablis, those key regions, if we've got a great producer and someone we know well and we work with, then we've got the wine, but we're not going to have a wine just for the sake of ticking a box if we don't think that we've got something that other people won't be able to offer. And do you as a business know these wine producers in yeah. person and you, and you meet them and you go over there and you, you, you see what they're doing? Yeah, absolutely. That is, it goes to the heart of our role as, as an importer to do our job well on that side of the business and to be able to sell those wines to the restaurant trade and to, to other wine shops, we have to have that personal relationship. And that in many cases goes back several years and, you know, people have become family friends and um, they've come over to the UK and stayed with us and, and vice versa. So wine at the end of the day, it's all about the people and the place where they make the wine. It's a representation, not just of that particular plot of land, but it's, it's a representation of the person who made it as well. Launch a podcast for your business for £99. Use it to grow your customers. Aid lead generation. Use as marketing. Put it all over social media and get your customers talking. Launch your podcast for your business for £99. To find out more, drop us an email at hello at webvid.com. That's hello at webvid.com. And in the subject, put 99 pound podcast. Start a podcast for your business for 99 pounds. Okay, it's Surreycast and time for the hot list today. Saffron, it's going to be super hot in Surrey this weekend. Well, you've just jinxed it now. I know, yeah, but that's not just the weather, you know. If you love tanks and love chicken wings, then I've got something right up your street. Um, An exclusive first look at some of the tanks and armoured vehicles set to be showcased at the Capel Military Show 2022. You can tuck into a range of chicken wings while looking at the tanks. Tanks and wings. Big time. Uh, They're cooked fresh by Ray's Fusion Eats. Tickets are five, you get a free pint. That's at Dorking Brewery from 11am this weekend. Oh, got to give a good plug to our good friends at the Barnet Solo. An evening in the most beautiful venue in Rygate, along with delicious charcuterie, veggie options available as well, and wine accompanied by a great local musician, 
Jack Hawkins. This is a great way to spend a Saturday evening yeah. with friends, chatting, eating and enjoying live music. Drinks are from 6pm, music starts from 7 and tickets start from £15. But that includes the sharing platters. Oh, nice. Plus, if you get onto eventbrite.co.uk and book now, there's a 10% discount with the code PREBOOKBARN22. And it's that time of year again, wedding season in full swing. So if you need some inspiration, get down to the Guildford Harbour Hotel Luxury Wedding Show this Sunday from 11am until 3pm. I believe it's free entry. Um, Believe me, the wedding isn't, so uh, (laughs) take that. A visit to the Luxury Wedding Show is a must for all those planning that perfect wedding, whether you're looking for a traditional wedding or are a modern bride seeking more of a contemporary affair. The Luxury Wedding Show is the event for you, a unique and glamorous experience with plenty of ideas to help plan your perfect day. So that's the hot list. But whatever you're doing this weekend in Surrey, have a great time. We're going to talk about the three bottles of wine that you have on the table in front of you in just a second. But can you work out which wine we both drink just by looking and see see if there's not, you know, that stereotypical wine um, from people that don't actually know that much about wine. Um, there's one, there's one wine that Saffron and I drink only because we don't feel hung over the next day. Uh, but that could be a, a lot of reasons to do with sulfates or whatever. Um, and I can tell you that it's white. Okay. So have a have a guess. You can ask some questions. You can, you can ask us three questions to try okay, and get to the questions. regions. All right. Is it from the Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere? Southern. Is it New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're basic. That, oh, that, my we're God, basic. we're so basic. Uh, yeah, it is. From a particular region, which is... Marlborough. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, it's, it's... Sauvignon Blanc is Britain's most popular grape variety. So oh, no, we've it's, been sucked in by the advertisers. <laughs> no, but it's, it's also... It's a grape variety, which, I mean, in the wine trade, people can get a little bit fussy about certain things within the wine trade. And, you know, we have our favourites. We have our not favourites. Sauvignon Blanc is a bit of a Marmite wine for people in the trade because it's so popular. I mean, it's like music, you know, any band that becomes really, really popular, you start to get the... So hold on a minute. So, Sauvignon, so yeah, I was about to say, is Sauvignon Blanc Marlborough just Ed Sheeran? Is that what it is? It is the Ed Sheeran. Oh. Well, I'm really embarrassed. Can you help us? We need no, to... No, but don't be because I... I it's can, you feel like, can you find the Björk of wines for us, please? <laughs> yeah, I've got the Björk of wines. Yeah. But it's it's one of my favourite styles as well. I love Sauvignon Blanc, um, and I'm never going to have anyone say otherwise. That you have good and bad examples. Anything that's made in such huge quantities and is so popular, you'll get good and bad examples of it. Like Bordeaux. I mean, you'll get great Bordeaux and you'll get rubbish Bordeaux. So I'm not going to criticise you for liking New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I, I love it. But if you could convince us to go to another white, dry wine that has that gooseberry and citrusy sort of flavor what what would you what would you say i mean if you like that there are there's genuinely at the moment a movement away from new zealand sauvignon because they haven't made enough they had a really bad harvest in 2021 so there is a global shortage of new zealand sauvignon blanc and therefore people are having to find alternatives so i would say if you can't find your favorite new zealand sauvignon look elsewhere like south africa for example, um, which has got cooler areas such as around Cape Town itself, down towards the south coast, Cape Agulhas, Elgin, Himalayanada, Walker Bay, those areas, but also Australia. Um, something we specialise in in Australia is the cooler climates 
within Australia. So places like the Adelaide Hills, um, there's great Sauvignon Blanc being grown in the Adelaide Hills, but people don't readily associate somewhere like Australia with Sauvignon because they're close neighbours in New Zealand, they're so adept at it. But I'd say look for places like that. Okay, that's, that's our challenge for this week, yeah? To find the Bjork of wine so we can be a bit cooler than Ed Sheeran. Fine. Yeah, a little bit cooler. So let's talk about the three yeah. uh, wines that we have on the table in front of us. Um, I can see the first is a Rioja. Yes, yeah, so um, the three we've got here, they're three reds, and they typify some of the things I've, I've said really about how we try and stand out, whether that's areas of warm countries which are a bit cooler, and so produce wines with a little bit more acidity, a bit more freshness and a bit more personality, or people doing things very, very differently. So the first one we've got here is actually from a South African friend of mine, but it's Rioja. And it's a Rioja made out of one variety, which is Garnacha, or in France they call Grenache, whereas people might think of Rioja more often as a blend. And if it is a blend, then it'll be driven by a grape called Tempranillo. Tempranillo is synonymous, therefore, for a lot of people with with Rioja. But for so you a, said that was South African. He's a South African winemaker in Spain, in, in the Spain. in the Rioja region, because exactly. it has to be in the Rioja region, otherwise you Absolutely. can't call it a Rioja. So Brian McRobert was making wine in his native South Africa for many years, and then he married Clara, moved to Rioja. She's a winemaker in Rioja, and they've been there since. Well, she's been there her whole life, but he's been there since 2013. So they're raising a family there, and he's now a winemaker. 100% in Rioja. I mean, he comes across more Spanish than South African nowadays. <laughs> and he is part of a, a movement of people who are making Rioja in, in an old style, whether that's using grapes like Grenache, which used to be more widely planted than Tempranillo, but modern fashions have meant Tempranillo has usurped it. And he's making wines in an, an old style, so not using new American oak barrels to deliver toasty coconut flavors that make your wine taste like sort of red wine in Malibu. But Something that's a bit that does sound quite good, though. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I suppose so. each each to each their, each their own, own. Yeah, each their own. Be quiet, Sav. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but no, Brian and people like him. They're making wines that speak more of the place and the varieties they're they're growing and using old vineyards in Rioja that the big companies are otherwise ignoring. So it's Rioja, but this is the sort of thing which a wine merchant, a wine shop like this really comes into its own for because if you just walked into a you know, supermarket or a high street off license and picked this off the shelf because you can see it says Rioja on the label mm -hmm. and you take it home, this is not going to taste like the Rioja that you would normally buy in a supermarket because it is made in this older, more traditional style and therefore it needs maybe a location like this. It needs someone with the knowledge, people working in a specialist wine shop yeah to tell you what it's going to be like but also explain why that's special and what would that be good to pair with so for the ganacha i would have that with something qu quite rich because it's quite a rich wine so maybe a, a game stew venison stew this would go quite nicely with or maybe something also a little bit lighter because it's quite perfumed so rabbit as well those kind of things would can i just say really being nice. a wine merchant is the sexiest it's the profession best job isn't it? ever yeah. i'm so jealous okay so on to the set onto the second wine yeah that looks like a south african wine is it south african yes it is and this is an example of a warm country warm origin but a cool climate uh, and this is something that not just we're interested in but it's something that winemakers in the new world are well, interested in, but also actively seeking out because they have to. Places like South Africa, Australia, they're getting too hot 
in many respects to to make quality wine year in year out whether that's because of drought you know, climate change global warming so winemakers are always seeking out cooler areas so even for red wines like this they're looking to places which would normally be for white wine grapes so this is a shiraz from south africa called ronkadur ronkadur is afrikaans for sort of a, a vagabond a um a waif so see this fella on the label chilling out on yeah, the yeah, beach. yeah and it's because it's from an area which doesn't have any shiraz well, it does, it's got this, obviously, but it's just one vineyard. And it's called Walker Bay, which is mostly about Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, sometimes a little bit of Pinot Noir as well, which likes that cooler climate. It's right on the coast, down very, very south, southern tip of Africa. So you've got all that weather coming off the Antarctic, which makes it really, really cool. And that makes this more of a European style of Shiraz, or what we'd call in, in Europe, Syrah and therefore it's got more acidity, it's a bit darker, it's a bit peppery, and it's a bit lighter. But crucially, it's something that is going to be more sustainable as time goes on, because there are parts of South Africa which are just becoming hotter, drier and drier, and they're really struggling to grow good grapes to good yields consistently. And the percentage of alcohol in that would, I guess it would be up about 13 or 14 percent? Uh, it varies on the vintage. I mean, this is, it's 14 and a half. Yeah. So when I say it's a cool climate, it's still cool for South Africa, but also the grapes are quite ripe. But the important thing about the Walker Bay origin is that they've got acidity despite having that ripeness because the grapes stay on the vine for that bit longer. If you have a longer growing window, then the grapes will get to a more balanced ripeness. If you've got a short growing window in a really hot area, they just get right, right, right. Alcohols go up, sugars go up, but you lose all the complexity. So they become a bit like table grapes. Table grapes, you want to be nice and plump and sweet and juicy. Wine grapes, you want to be more in balance. And the third wine, final wine. Yeah, this is something um, really quite cool. It's got a nice Surrey connection. So it's made by a friend of mine who lives up in um, Dorking, runs another wine business, another wine import company, and his um, his fiance and then their friends as well, uh, husband and wife, who are involved in making Catravin. And it started out as a rosé. It's an organic Côte de Provence rosé, which we also have here at PIP. But they just released this Côte de Provence red. And people think Côte de Provence is rosé, 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 which, you know, increasingly it is. It's the most popular, the most prestigious rosé region in the world. But something that I always like to remind people about is that Provence makes red wine, it makes white wine, and it's sometimes so, so good, but gets forgotten because of the popularity of Côte de Provence Rosé. So this is a slightly lighter style of Provence red. It's only 12% alcohol, but it's got lovely, rich, brambly flavors. It's very aromatic. It's very, very juicy. It's a perfect summer red as well. So something to remember that Provence is about more than just rosé. So today we present our first podcast competition. Saf, you ready for this? I am. Okay, you can win an art bundle worth £60 from 6x4store.com. That's S-I-X-B-Y-F-O-U-R-S-T-O-R-E.com. Got it. <laughs> Goodness, I can spell. Uh, it includes three A3 altered art prints. Now, altered art is taking a famous painting and adding a contemporary twist. They're, uh, they're so cool on there. You can see them if you look at our Instagram, at Surreycast, and scroll through our feed and... And stories. Now, to enter, you need to send Saf and I an email to hello at surreycast.com. 
Now, we need your name and address along with the answer to this question. Oh, there's a question. There's a question. Pip Wines are located where in Surrey? Now, you can scrub back, back through this podcast if you need to to make sure, but Pip Wines is located where in Surrey? One lucky winner will be chosen at random and revealed on episode nine of Surreycast. Good luck. We are back with Nick from Pip Wines a bit later to round off our chat, but next we rewind to the Surrey Business Expo where we met Tracy from CMPP. So on Surreycast today, we're talking to the lovely Tracy, uh, who is the chief executive of CMPP, uh, connecting business with community. Hi, Tracy. Hi, how are you? I'm really excited to find out all about your, well, it's not a charity, is it? It's a business, but it's kind of like a charity, but it's not a charity. Explain. Yeah, it's a charitable business. So we're a registered charity, but we operate as a uh, uh, entrepreneurial business, really. Just one that doesn't make money for individuals, but makes money money and helps local communities. Okay, so explain to me, what is CMPP? What do you do? Who do you work with? Sure. So what do we do? We um, help businesses that want to get out and active in the local community. So quite often, you'll come across a business who give their staff one to three corporate volunteer days every year to go out and do something really good in the community. In the UK, only 5% of that offering is ever used. The reason it isn't used is that actually somebody has to go and organise it all. So that's what CMP does. We come in and we organise some really great projects and events where corporates, small businesses and individual one-man bands can all come together and do something really cool so in the local area. give me some idea of some of the brands you work with. Yep, so we work with big brands, so BMW Group UK, Zurich, um, we work with local airports, so Farnborough Airport. Uh, the Aviator Hotel, uh, we work with um, Etna who do healthcare, Cineos. Um, Blimey, you have got a client list like no other. We, we're very lucky, yeah. yeah. Um, they're great companies and, you know, for, for, for them, corporate-wise, they want to, you know, make money. That's what they're all about. But they also want to put purpose and strategy at the heart of decision-making and that's all to do with, I don't know you've heard of the uh, term, the kindness economy. Yeah. It's sort of a big thing coming in from America, really. And companies are really getting the benefits of being good, purposeful companies in the local community. It's great for the community, but honestly, it's so good for the business and the brand as well. Yeah. So what, what are some of the things that you have done with some of those clients that you're talking about in the, in the local area? Yep. So we do loads of things, really, but we have some annual events that we do every year. So one of those is we get about 500 people from Surrey, Hampshire and Berkshire, pop them on a coach and we take them down to Little Hampton just after the summer holidays and we clear up all the rubbish that's left on the beach. Lovely environmental day, great to use your paid day out of the office in a valuable way and a fun way um, and obviously it gets rid of all that that rubbish that will otherwise go in the sea. So we do those things, we go into schools and we build nature grounds, uh, woodland walks, uh, allotments, uh, we make over school playgrounds, you know, whatever it is that the community wants, they ask us. We get the corporate volunteers and we go in and we take that challenge on and make it better. And what do those employees that end up being uh, volunteers get out of it? Do they feel just empowered? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, the biggest beneficiary of a volunteer day isn't the school or the beach. It's actually (laughs) the person that goes along and does it because you do. You feel so good at the end of the day. You go home and you think, cool, that was actually a really good use of my time. Thanks to my employer for giving me the opportunity to do it. Actually, I feel great as a result. And that's the thing with this type of work is it's so good for the community it's so good for the business but also as an individual for your well-being 
feels fantastic. So for brands listening to this right now, how do they get in touch with you to go, right, let's start this conversation? Yep, I mean, give us a ring. Um, you can get our phone number off our website, which is www.cmpp, Community Matters Partnership Project, .org.uk. Fantastic. It's been brilliant meeting you and so excited to get you on the podcast. It's great to meet you, Neil, and your stall is definitely the best at the Surrey Expo. So congratulations on making it so cool. Thank you so much for listening to Surreycast. It's Neil and Saf here. Um, must do a few more Instagram shout outs, if that's all right. Oh, yeah, go Can for I do it. That? Yeah. Um, challengers. We've got to say hi to challengers. Oh, I love challengers. Um, haven't they got something on this weekend? I'm a huge fan of challengers. Just to quickly run down what they do is they, they look after special needs children in the area. Big fan of them. They've helped a lot of my friends out. And they are putting on a charity event with Kelly Storage. Oh, okay. Um, tell me more about it, Saf. Do you know much more about it? Well, I think it involves bikes. It does. It's the Kelly Cycle Challenge this Sunday. 100% of money raised goes to challenges. Um, so make sure you go and check out their page, Kelly's Storage and Challenges, uh, on Instagram and uh, get behind them. Uh, Alison got in touch with us to let us know about that. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing that you, you need to be involved with. We absolutely love them, don't we? I can't tell you the amazing work that they do in this county. Yeah. So please get behind them. Get 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 your hand in your pocket yes absolutely <laughs> go and enjoy the fun as well big shout out to Joe from Ruby Supper Club uh, there on next week's podcast we uh, went down to Ruby Supper Club we got a really exciting episode next week big shout to Norbury Cheeses Michaela I love Michaela yeah you might have seen some cheese on our Instagram we met her in her shop down near Sheer the are other day are we allowed to say what the new cheese is called or is it too rude uh, you can if you want to because it's in context to the animal it is yeah and a roundabout in Dorking so I'm allowed to say go on Dorking cock cheese that's incredible that's incredibly right um, they're going to be down at Ockley Farmers Market first Sunday of each month so that's only a couple of weeks away fish, cheese, bread preserves a lot more down there so go and say hi to Michaela and Neil um, and that's at Ockley Nursery on Coles Lane also big shout out to the White Hart Whitley um, they've got barbecue ribs and burgers have a look at their Instagram oh my goodness the you burgers. will be salivating to supercharge your business mix from webvid creative is a flexible monthly subscription giving you access to industry-leading knowledge and skills helping to support your marketing aspirations from graphic design to podcasts and video let our experts produce the content you need without scaling your team it's quick and easy to start mention surreycast to get 10 percent off your first month Find out more at webvid.com. Okay, a couple of things. Um, I'd like to know about the difference of buying a £6.99 bottle and a more expensive bottle and the tax implications because lots of people talk about this and I, and I think that a lot of consumers don't understand it mm -hmm. but it is considerably better wine if you pay more money, correct? It is and I don't want to be that wine merchant that says, oh, we'll spend more because people will say, well, you, you would say that wouldn't you? But it's... But, but spend more, yeah? But yes, spend more and I'm not saying you have to go out and spend 20 quid a bottle every day of the week you you, you don't um but you do have to maybe think about spending more than 
six pounds a bottle, which is still the average price of a bottle um, bought in the UK. And that, of course, includes all supermarket sales as well and off-license and things. So, Because of that six pounds in a bottle, there's a certain amount taken up yeah, through so duty or tax. Still wine, it's about £2.23 off the top of my head for just excise duty. Of course, 20% of that £6 is VAT as well. You've also got the shipping of it, You've got which is getting more and more expensive. I mean, shipping post-Brexit, post-supply chain issues of a pandemic has gone up you know, four, five, six times for us. So you've got all these other input costs. The actual proportion of wine you're getting in a £6 bottle is very, very small, and it's vanishingly small. So we talk about the difference between price and value. They're, they're two very different things. Six pounds will often be spoken about as you know good value wine. Actually, six pounds is probably the worst value wine in the country because of those tax and input cost implications. If you trade up to more like eight, nine, 10, potentially 11, 12, I think that 10 to 12 is when you start to get to an inflection point where you're getting more quality in your, in your glass and then move on up to something like 15. And you're actually starting to get into realms of really, really great wine. Okay, a couple of quickies. On a red wine, should be let to breathe? Yeah, it depends Depends on the wine. Uh, and we can always advise of that in, in a place like Pip. But yeah, I'd, I'd breathe a little bit. Um, you can also let white wines breathe. In fact, I'd recommend letting white wines breathe as much as red wines. It's difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> We don't even breathe before the first drink. Um, I think the most important thing, rather than letting things breathe, uh, because when we say let things breathe, some people think just pop the cork and just let it sit there. Actually, the amount of surface area of wine that's in contact with the air and breathing is very small anyway. So the, the effect's not going to be great. What I try and emphasize with people is the temperature. Far too often red wine in particular is being served too warm. And that's because they think room temperature is the right temperature, but room temperature when that rule was created in the 1950s, not room temperature in 2020. You know, it's, it's what, 22 degrees, I think, is the average room temperature nowadays. Maybe a little bit less with you know, energy bills going up, I mm. don't know, but that's too warm for a bottle of red wine. You want it more down at sort of 16, 17, 18 degrees, and that's when you start to get the aromatics coming out a bit more. And talking about tasting, best way to taste a wine is that sucking it in with air into your mouth yeah you can do that whole yeah that's, that's it yeah that's more professional tasters trying to get every nuance out of it i think if you do that just sort of sat at the dinner table you look like a, bit, <laughs> a bit of a wally but um or over dinner with your friends so i wouldn't advise on that but yeah that that is something that we uh we put ourselves through when we were professionally appraising wines, whether it's, um, I mean, I, I judge at various wine competitions. So yes, you'll have a room full of us sat there all day, exactly, sort of hyperventilating, slurping through a, <laughs> through a crook tongue. And yeah, it's, people think that wine tasting like that is just the absolute dream. Um, it's pretty hard work. And you come out of it at the end of the day, with a dry mouth and a very purple tongue and feeling very tired. <laughs> Well, let, let's hope that that's going to be the case in a second for us. But, but Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure being down, uh, down here. And we've been quiet for a lot of the time because the amount of knowledge that you have is just incredible. And you can see that coming coming out in this in this interview. So I think that if you love wine, if you want to try something new, then this is a great place to do that. It's a great place to find something you wouldn't find anywhere else. And certainly looking around, I don't think I've seen 
anything that I've seen anywhere. So that's a real that's a real excitement for me. I could listen to you all day. Have you ever thought of doing relaxation tapes? Because I was thinking in a hammock with a red wine, listening to Nick talk about all the things that we've learned. I, I could just drift off into heaven. I could give it a go. Well, we have a pit wine club where you get three bottles a month. So maybe as part of that, we can include spoken notes and i did see that on your website because you you have a membership card don't you and you and you actually say that actually the the cost of it is cheaper than buying some coffee well yes yeah so we have our wine club and then we have our pit members club which is it's a card it's 15 percent off wine purchase event tickets as well and all sorts of other things you get um you get deals because we're a, a wine import business as well we get little parcels of rare wines which wouldn't actually make it onto the shelf but we might let you know about those and instead of putting them on the shelf. And so there's all sorts of extra things you get as part of the PIP membership. Um, but yes, it's only £25 a year, which is, I can't remember what we put on it. It's whatever it is. It's three days parking at Farnham Station. That was it. Yeah, that was it. And um, where can we find the website? Pipwine.co.uk. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Open these reds. Thank you. Yes, please. <laughs> Right, we've got to make this quick. It's been a hell of a big episode today, hasn't it? There's so much going on in Surrey at the moment. And so many people contacting us. Remember, if you are a business in Surrey, you can list your business for free on our brand new business directory. Go to surreycast.com, click add listing. Very simple to do. We'll verify your listing and then you'll be on there forevermore. Um, if you want us to feature you on the podcast, make sure you get in touch with us via Instagram on the DM. You can do that or you can just comment uh, on there. At Surreycast is where we're at. So Pip Wines today uh, and also CMPP. It was great to meet Tracy too. Next week is Ruby Supper Club. Yum. Are you ready for that? I'm ready for that. I'm amazed you've still got a voice now. I know. I was, it was just <laughs> about going. Have a great week. And remember, follow us on Instagram and we'll check you out on episode nine next week. We'll speak to you next week.